right, welcome back, guys. Thanks for tuning in for round two of Vertex Outdoors podcast. Uh, and thanks for listening to the first one. Hopefully, you did give it a listen. Uh, for those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Andy, and I'm one of the original members of Vertex Outdoors. With us tonight, we also have our other, I guess, founder, Andrew Troxel, and a new team member with us tonight is uh, Roy Bingaman. So we're going to get things cracking off here. Just to clarify, I'm the brains and the brawn of this operation. <laughs> <laughs> that may be true, but I am definitely the beauty. So sure. but that's all right. So I guess tonight we're going to do a little uh, start off with a background on Roy since he missed our first one. Um, so I guess really, you know, give us a quick little rundown of yourself there, guy. Yeah, guys, thanks for uh, having me, throwing me on the team here. I'm uh, looking forward to what uh, the future holds. Um, uh, I've only been hunting for three or four years, uh, mainly been rifle. Um uh, last year, I uh, got dipped my toe in the archery world. Uh, started off with just a base level bow, see if I liked it. And it what sold. that means is he stepped out of the truck and said, nope, not this year. <laughs> you got right back in and turned around. <laughs> yep. Uh, shot that till I maxed it out and uh, got rid of that. Waited a year. Uh, joined Team Hoyt. Uh, That's right, baby. Yeah, we're excited. We have um, to clarify, unofficially. Unofficial, yeah. <laughs> I would like it to be official, but I'm I'm no Cam Haynes, so. <laughs> Shout out. A little <laughs> bit. So, I guess, um, you know, you talked about doing rifle hunting a little bit over the last couple of years. And I know from experience, this guy can catch fish like it's his friggin' job. Um, small mouth, large mouth. I've only ever seen him catch a couple of caddies, but then again, who goes catfishing, really? Um, <laughs> yeah. Dark and... You better not say that if we <laughs> get a bunch of down south listeners. Well, that's all right. <laughs> um, I live down there and hear a bunch of slow-talking people, but I love y'all. Um, anyway, I mean, I guess really, what are some of your biggest goals or... I guess, what do you want to get out of this, this season going forward? Well, uh, I've yet to harvest a deer, so I definitely want to do that this year. Uh, I would love for the first one to to be taken with a bow, um, much like yourself last year. Yeah. Um, I have uh, three tags to fill, so it'd be awesome if I could could knock them all out in archery season. Uh, property I hunt, I got some good prospects for for big buck, big mature buck. Um, they have a, a doe problem, so. Me and the other guys that hunt over there are, are hoping to uh, help the numbers of that. Um, but yeah, just uh, put some meat in the freezer. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it's all about is conservation and putting meat in the freezer because they are delicious. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know you talked a little bit about mature buck and stuff along those lines and... I will say you definitely have, looking at trail camera pictures, you definitely have some good mature bucks over there. Um, and I think that's something we all strive for is, I mean, yeah, it's nice to get that big trophy buck, but really our main goal is conservation and putting food on plates. So, you know, some, that's something we strive to do is take mature deer. And, you know, part of that is being able to age deer from, from the stand. And that's something we wanted to touch on tonight. 
you know, there's a couple of different ways you can go about it and not everyone does it the same. If you don't have a wealth of cam photos going back over multiple years to go back and reference, it can be difficult to just gauge how old a deer is the first time you're seeing it, especially once that fever hits. Everything gets a little blurry and the knees get a little shaky. So some of the ways I well, personally do it. Well, and it's really common for people to just go off the rack size. That's true too. You can't always which, base it on that. There are some young deer that are great genetics. Which with, some of the, like, I mean, I guess that's what we're going to get into is some of that's the appeal. Like, yeah, there's a trophy aspect, but at the same time, if you can let there's, them a go. Con, there's a conservation aspect as well. And it's a, it's a delicate balance. Right, and those young deer that have those, you know, those young stud eights or even tens, if you let them go a year or two, just imagine what they turn into. Yeah, exactly. So one of the ways I personally age a deer from the stand is by looking at the neck and the belly. Um, you know, the older, more matured, mature deer will have the big, broad shoulders that go into a real thick neck all the way up and a belly that sags well beneath its breastplate and throughout its rib cage and you can definitely see a difference between young deer and old deer by looking at those two key features and I don't know if either of you guys do but I've heard of people being able to or using elbows and stuff like that to age a deer as well just from I'm a little more of a leg guy okay so how do you actually age them well off the if, legs? if you're well it, obviously it's not going to be an exact science but a younger deer the like their body to leg ratio is out of balance like their legs look longer whereas if you have an older mature deer because of the belly sag and that sort of thing right like which i go by the belly sag as well neck dependent like it, neck is kind of dependent on time of year because once you hit that rut stage they're all swelled up anyway and then it you know, you kind of have to be a little more experienced once you get to that point. And, I mean, I would even say that I'm definitely not there right. as far as once you hit the rut. So, my biggest giveaways are legs and belly. Um, kind of with the belly aspect, like you can kind of look at the back. But just some of my personal, like I'm just looking at at least a three-year-old is all I'm after. Um right for the areas that we're hunting so i don't get like pretty much legs and belly is is going to be a good giveaway like there's going to be a little bit of i don't know if i'd say I'd call it a little bit of sag it all depends on how you personally define it but but there's definitely a little bit more of a distinct belly there on a three-year-old whereas like a two-year-old it's you know just kind of going to sweep up back legs are definitely going to distinctly look longer um three-year-old like three-year-olds kind of you know the legs are start or the body's starting to fill out so legs are looking a little shorter um and that sort of thing we don't we don't encounter many uh like five or six year olds so unfortunately no a lot of the properties we hunt as we said before our neighbors are not on the same page as we are as far as you know give them a year or two to grow and harvest those mature deer they are a and some of that's okay Right, and there's and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, for them, it's it's all about putting food on the plate, and that's that's fine too. But they are definitely a if it's legal, they're gonna yeah. they're gonna take a shot, which is fine. You know, as long as again, it's they're abiding by the state, you know, legalities and all that. But 
Um, and I know Andrew wanted to touch on, what is it, the Federation, while well, we're talking about conservation anyway. Um, yeah, the, uh, the Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists. Uh, we just wanted to do a quick plug on them um, while we're thinking of it. Um, as many people know, the bill on Sunday hunting did not make out very well. Um, and they are one of the key groups that are leading the fight on that. Um, but more importantly than just that specific bill, um, this group is basically on the front lines for all the sportsmen. Um, basically just doing, in a sense, like what we don't have the time for. They're very involved in the political aspect. Um, they're in direct contact with um, representatives for Pennsylvania. Um, so I know a lot of people... You know, a lot of people like to support the more national organizations, which is good, too. Um, nice part about this group, since they're based out of Pennsylvania, um, they are directly involved with stuff that directly affects us. Um, you know, because those national organizations, they're only going to look at things on a national level and how things fit into that. So if they would do anything that affects Pennsylvania... It's not going to be, like, region-specific or anything like that. Um, whereas this group, they're getting involved in specific WMUs and, and breaking things down that way. Um, so just a, a quick plug for them. It's the Pennsylvania Federation of Sportsmen and Conservationists. Um, you can go to their website. Check them out if you feel compelled to. Um, you can sign up for a membership. It's like fifteen dollars, I think. I think they have a ten dollar one as well. Yeah, it's like ten. They have a couple different options. Um, that's for the year. Obviously, that money is going to go directly in supporting them. Um, you know, they got to make money somehow. I mean, they're involved in more than just the political aspect. They do a lot with conservation um, and all that sort of thing. If you want to check out. Um, more of the mind behind it all you can check out the sons of the hunt podcast um, it's on youtube they have podcasts they're on facebook but they actually did an interview with harold dobbs um, who is basically the uh, like president of the organization Founder. yeah so um so that is a great i mean i didn't even hear about this before them because they're just you know it's kind of an advertising aspect um not a super big organization at the moment um but they're definitely definitely doing a lot to help everybody else so um definitely go check them out and then outside of that yeah yeah i mean they're doing a lot of the legwork for the rest of us who have you know these ideas or desires that we want pennsylvania to see and become as far as a hunting community and they are doing the legwork and really taking the fight to to the state government levels and all that to try and grow our community and make it more just more of a community really than than it currently is and try and grow in that aspect so they're doing a lot of really good stuff um but yeah but we can hop back on the, the deer um since roy's with us i think it's a good idea to just kind of hit on essentially the stages of of progression as you start hunting um i'll just use myself in a, as an example like right now i'm more successful at rifle than archery right mainly because it's way freaking easier um <laughs> so i have i based on 
you know, because I, I care more about archery and, you know, I'm more passionate about harvesting a deer that way. Um, so I have a different standard that way. Like right now, right now for archery, the ideal goal is like a three-year-old. Um, but honest, if I'm being completely honest, based on my limited ability to get out and hunt, which is just the weekend, so you're talking, what, six days pretty much? Right, during, um, during archery there'll season. There will probably be a Friday here or there or whatever. Might get some extra time. Really not, not a lot of time. Um, so depending on how the season's going and just limited, you know, how, how it's going, my limited ability to get out and hunt, you know, that standard might decrease a little bit to maybe a, a two-year-old. I mean, if it's a solid two-year-old, um, people might hate me for saying that, but I think, I think there's definitely an importance in looking at the amount of time that you're going to get out also looking at the area that you hunt in um you know let's say your area has a lot of three-year-olds four-year-olds maybe you're lucky enough to get five and six-year-olds then you know you could hold a solid three-year-old standard and then ideally shoot for a four-year-old or whatever i mean it's definitely like you have to keep it at a level that's going to be fair to um, you a hunter allow also... you yeah allow you to maintain your interest and actually, you know, have a chance at getting something. Yes, the only way to get bigger bucks is to pass the smaller ones. That's true. But at the same time, there has to, it's a it's a give and take. Like there's a, a definitely a delicate balance there. Um, if if for whatever reason this topic is new to anybody, um, you know, mating is based on a a, a dominant standpoint. That's why. You know, targeting the mature deers, it'll, it, deers, deers, <laughs> the mature deer, it, it's allowing um, those younger bucks to grow older. Um, you're maximizing the, um, the sexual activity of, of all the animals. So, um, so yeah, just some food for thought there, which actually I think is a good way to segue into Roy. Um, first year archery hunting correct and you've never taken a deer yet correct obviously not a blow to you um that's all on all i think a lot of it is where you hunt um so i'm curious to hear like your take on it obviously you have real nice buck on camera which anybody who follows facebook or the instagram page yep. oh you've seen they, they've they, you've seen them <laughs> probably the biggest buck that we've shared yet yep. so titan um, he's, a, he's a stud. But even with that, yeah, I'm curious to see what your take is on it. Obviously, uh, you know, especially your first year hopping into it. I mean, obviously, I would I would really like to take that really decent-sized tent point. Um, uh, I don't think he's he's very old, but, I mean, he's a it's a nice deer. He's got a big body. Um, there's, I think, three or four pretty decent size eight points that that would be on the market um there's not um a lot of deer on that property that are very old is the thing um the, the one thing we have going for us is that property butts up to a preserve so um the deer are always moving through there and there's not really any neighbors that hunt um so we don't have to worry about that too much uh I would, I would going back to it though i would definitely like to take a mature 
mature buck. Um, if not, uh, weed out one that maybe doesn't have great genetics. Um, uh, we have one, and I can't take him, but I'm sure you guys have seen uh, the one we deemed Bullwinkle. He, uh, he's essentially just a, a main beam with brow tines. Um, pretty gnarly looking deer. He's a sweet looking deer. I, um, wish, I wish he had one kicker one somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Because it would be a sweet one to just throw up on the wall. I mean, he looks demonic, really. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly looking. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we've got a lot of dough that we, we are looking to harvest off of that farm. Uh, the farmer's having some issues with crop damage, so... Uh, would like to help him out with that he's nice enough to let us hunt the property so yeah you're obliged to yeah harvest some deer and yep. put some <laughs> meat in the freezer exactly uh the one th the uh, good thing we have going there is i'll essentially be the only one hunting that entire property in archery season so um i think my odds are going to be in my favor um we uh got our stand set last weekend uh, we got to put up a couple blinds yet. Hopefully we'll do that this Saturday and uh, be ready to rock and roll. If you need help getting any of those big buck down, you give me a call. Oh, you boys are a phone call away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pennsylvania only has one tag, so if you uh, yep. run out, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess uh, some other questions I had. Actually, well, I want to hear oh. your take on it. Uh-oh, on what? Because you're only, I mean, you're only, this is second year. You still have yet to harvest a buck. So I'm curious to hear your take. Uh, I mean, obviously mature is the goal, but at the same time. Well, how, like how mature? Three-year-old, like are you kind of, uh, kind of where I'm at? Maybe? I would say yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to take a, a two-year-old buck if I don't have to. If, again, if it's a as much as I hate to say, if he's a freak of nature, two-year-old deer, it would be really hard to pass him and let him grow. Um, if he's got, you know, mainframe 10 with drop points, he's, I'm going to take a shot at him. <laughs> um, but I mean, no, I, if, obviously the more mature, the better. I'd have, I'm not going to set a standard at something unrealistic, you know. Well, like for me, my ideal scenario is a deer that appears to be a three-year-old and is like right around 100 inches or above. Right. Granted, obviously, inches on the rack doesn't determine the age of the buck, but I mean, 100 inches is pretty. That's substantial. That's pretty average, I would say, for a three year old, maybe. Yeah. And I mean, I. Like, it's a decent rack, and you know, you're still getting some of that build up in age class. Obviously, you know, the goal is step it up you know once you harvest so many three-year-olds and you up it your standards four-year-old right so and i would forth. say the same i mean i am not going to set my standard at a five-year-old deer similarly not only because i know there's not a lot of them on the properties we hunt but honestly i don't know if i've seen any on the properties we hunt this year um so if if you know one of those happens to walk in front of me that is awesome and i will gladly gladly go that route but if a real solid three-year-old deer walks in front of me, I am not going to let him pass because I don't think he's old enough. Um, and, I mean, like you said, really the goal is 
the more mature the better and if it's a three plus year old I would not have any reservations under that I'd really have to weigh my pros and cons on that shot and if it's you know towards the end of the season and it's a 20 yard chip shot full broadside probably gonna go ahead and take that if it's a low percentage shot I would let him walk um, and that's just kind of where I am you know I don't want to yeah I don't want to set a standard so high that it's unrealistic but at the same time I don't want to set the bar so low that I can leap it right well that and I, it goes back to the property that you are hunting like the properties that we hunt like a year and a half old six point or five point whatever you know whether whether they're a five point or a six point you know that's that's the average deer that's shot in pennsylvania and just based on the properties that we hunt the surrounding uh, properties like, will like shoot that's them. those are the deer that are are pretty easy for us to access right which and is which is and that's and that's i guess the biggest thing for people who are listening to weigh like you definitely like you can't go off what your buddies are saying you know, oh, like, well, I'm just going to hold out for a 130-inch four- or five-year-old, okay? You, That's all good and well if you're in the Midwest. Yeah. I mean, you might, well... And, you might while, find that around here, but it's going to be very difficult. Right, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, there definitely are those in Pennsylvania, um, but they are very tough to find, and it's important to make sure... Um, you know, you're making it fun for yourself. There's kind of still that, com- I don't want to say competitive, but the that challenge, chase. that challenge, yeah, that challenging aspect. Um, you know, year and a half, year and a half old bucks are easy, pretty easy to find. Like somebody who's just getting into hunting, perfect starting point. You know, then once you get your year and a half old buck, little six point or whatever, you know, then you can step it up from there. You might go to like a two year old eight point. You know, obviously the points doesn't have to be a the tell-all um, but a criteria yeah but you know you're stepping it up that way so like one particular property that i get to hunt um public access that nobody else hunts um i've just been lucky enough to be hunting there since i started hunting before it was even public access um but that property that's the one that I got to harvest the uh, 166 plus inch um, 14 freak, point. freak of a deer on. It really um, was. But that deer's easily six and a half years old. Um, but that's a deer that like we didn't even know was there. Um, that same year that I shot that, I did have what I estimated to be at least a four year old. So like the age, the age classes are there. Um, so that's a property that I'm a little bit more um, picky on. And that's, that's how I set up my season. Like if I'm out on public land, um, my standard might be a little different than that particular property. Even though I only have one tag, my standards might vary a little bit based on the property. Um, right, and a lot of that comes down to knowing the surrounding properties and what's out there. I mean, hunting that property you're talking about with the four and six year olds i mean really yeah there's, there's not a lot of hunters very around minimal, that property yeah, even very, on the surrounding neighboring properties they're not getting a lot of pressure so they move pretty freely they have tons of space and time to grow whereas on state anyone can hunt there and 
anyone does. So it makes it a little more difficult for those deer to right. get to Which that Which is age. like last year, um, last year during archery season, I passed a little basket rack eight point. Probably a two-year, well, maybe a two-year-old, definitely one and a half. I figured a two-year-old, but, um, you know, that it's chances of that deer getting shot are actually pretty slim. So by letting that one walk, you know, that's, he's just going to be a little bit bigger this year. Because there's, there's plenty of other deer to chase. And that's the thing is, like, I think there's a certain thrill and not, like, if you don't have cameras and have, like, if, you know, not everybody uses trail cameras. Obviously, we do. But there's stuff there that's not getting on your trail cameras. So, um, yeah, it's just all, you know, you just got to figure it out for yourself. Set up that criteria that you want to strive for. Um, you know, you might find that you set the bar a little bit too high and it's too much of a challenge. You know, you're just not able, just not able to find what you're looking for. Um, I mean, really what it comes down to at the end of the day, if the, if, if the deer's walking in and I'm getting excited, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I try and set up criteria for so myself. So a doe and two fawns, because that gets me but excited. That, oh, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, if a doe's walk like, I haven't shot a ton of deer. Um, I've definitely shot a lot of deer with a rifle, not so many with a bow. Um, but even with a rifle, like, I still get excited for shooting doe. Like, I mean, it's it doesn't have to be a big buck. I mean, obviously for us, it's, you know, more about the meat aspect. You know, you're still cherishing the animal. You still have the utmost respect for the animal. And dang, sure, we're going to eat it. So, um, yeah, every, every piece of meat was off my the doe I shot last year. I can attest to that. Yeah, he helped me. Roy helped, helped me butcher, helped that. butcher that one. And I mean, every tiny little sliver of meat came out from in between the ribs and down the rib cage, all the way up the spine. I mean, we took every piece of meat off that deer that we could, and I have eaten every bite of it. <laughs> and it was all delicious. Um, I guess to kind of switch gears a little, um, we're going to talk a little bit about scent control and kind of our views on it. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there who if don't you, do if it. If you even believe in it. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of people who have never done any scent control and never will. And there's a lot of people who swear by it. Um, I personally do. I mean, I use scent crusher bag, I think, or scent lock yeah, one of the one of those bags pressure, yeah. um with the ozone pump through it and a spray down before i go in the woods even though i take that stuff straight from the bag and put it straight on i still spray down i'll do a you know scent free fabric softener and detergent and body wash all that fun stuff the day i go into the woods and um i mean my view is the deer are going to eventually figure out that you're there one way or another and hopefully they only find that out as you're shooting them um if you can cut down on their chances of just saying, hopefully not even then yeah hopefully not even then they have no idea what hit them but i mean if you can cut down on the chances of a deer winding you or blowing you on scent then you are just going to increase your chances of getting on those mature deer or any deer in general you know if they're smelling you know axe body spray 
100 yards away, they're not gonna come to a 20 yard shot for you. They're gonna smell you and say, man, this dude smells like a high school locker room. I'm gonna scoot out around this way and keep on trucking. The doe might like that. The doe might, but <laughs> but, but that's only if they're all all turned up into estrus and But you gotta make hot. sure you got the kilo. That's right, that axe kilo. Um, I mean, there are definitely people who don't do any scent control. A lot of the people who do, especially, you know, hunts out west where they're backpacking in and sitting around a campfire and don't have access to showers and stuff like that. I mean, they might have a bottle of scent control spray with them, but they're not doing full body scent control every time they walk into the woods. And they are oftentimes very successful. So there's definitely a side of that that is, you know, if you play the wind right and all that, you can get close to deer and really maximize your abilities on that as well. I think um, that definitely playing the wind is, is a key factor in all of that. Right, and I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I still play the wind even with using scent control. Um, Roy, what about you? Are you gonna do scent control or are you just gonna roll in Hot and stanky and axe body spray and, and wait for roll that out, hot Roll dough. out of bed, keep your PJs on, just climb up in the stand. Well, I do have camo and... PJs, so. Uh, no, last year um, I mainly hunted rifle, and even then, like, we were hunting from blinds. I still took a, a bottle in with me and sprayed down, and and uh, we sprayed the blinds and everything. And we had doe come in pretty close, um, not not to where I had shots on them, obviously, or I'd had a, I'd had my first kill, but um, I had two that were bedded down maybe 20 yards in front of me that I never even saw. They walked towards uh, one of the other guys that was hunting at the time, and I never even saw them. You maybe, heard, you maybe heard we, his gunshots, Maybe though. we yeah. should clarify that that's the reason you don't don't have a deer down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My, my hunting partner likes to, likes to do brown and down, and... I think he sees dirt most of the time. <laughs> dirt, trees, leaves, some, something else yeah. that's brown. No fur. <laughs> he tries. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you are going to do scent control again this year, I take it, then? Yeah, um, definitely um, going to, um, especially since I'm going to be hunting archery mainly. Um, and where where I'm set up at is, is probably about... 20 to 20 or 30 yards to where the deer are going to most likely be moving. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the wind is going to play in that area yet. Um, it's a new area for me to hunt. Um, the, um, the area that we hunted all last year got clear cut and is now a field. So we had to change everything up this year. Um, we're seeing deer though that we didn't see at all last year. So yeah, I would say that was a, yeah, it, it might've worked out in our benefit. Um, so we'll see. Now, are you gonna get buy into the whole odorless deodorant and body wash and all that, or are you just gonna, you know, do the a scent control spray and I'll go in that route? I'll do a scent control scent control spray. Um, I might get some of those uh, the fresh earth wafers and hang a couple of them on the tree stand. Yeah, Start smelling like dirt, baby. Yep. See how that goes. There is, a, cer there is a certain appeal to smelling like dirt during your hunting season. Oh, I love the smell of those things. I love them. <laughs> well, I last the year you had your 
<laughs> all your clothes in a cooler full of them things. Yeah. The I, cooler uh, still smells like them. I didn't have a, a bag or anything to put it in, so I had, you know, a Walmart cooler that I threw all my hunting gear in and filled it with those fresh earth wafers. And you crack that thing open, you could smell it clear as day from... 100 for, yards away. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, I still sometimes just open it and take a big whiff and walk away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also love the smell of the ozone products that you know the little yeah. ones that come out for your car and for the bags i love the smell of that not only because of what it represents but i just genuinely like the smell of it <laughs> yeah yeah i'm kind of i don't want to say i'm on the fence with scent control obviously i believe in it i believe in trying to cut down your scent as much as possible um i know i mean pretty much everybody that does it also hunts the wind and that's that's where i differ um, like I have certain certain spots on properties where deer travel based on the wind, um, not so much for a scent thing, but they just don't want to be in it. Right. Um, like there's one particular stand, if the wind is, say, 15 miles an hour or above, um, like they're down over a ridge so that they can be out of it. Um, and that is real close to a property line, so I have a limited, limited um, kind of selection of where I can set up. Because um, yeah, like I get, I get that. Yeah, there's usually always a way that you can set up to to use the wind to your advantage, but like that's not not completely always the case when you're limited by boundaries and that sort of thing. Right. Um, and the nice thing for that and particular set, I believe, is the wind's going to be blowing off the top of the ridge and they're going to be traveling off the bottom. So even if you're halfway down in theory, your, your sense going over top of their noses by 10, 15 yards uphill or straight North or straight up, I guess. So yeah, it's not like playing the, the wind, the, the but thermals, at the same time it Like helps. the thermals are a factor. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like I obviously want to avoid setting up where my wind's blowing directly where they're coming from. Um, but I'll definitely play it real close where it's like the trail they're coming in on, like it might be blowing directly across the trail at, you know, say 15 yards. So I just have to shoot them at 20 or something like, like something like that. Like I, I'm, right. I, I try not to go in too stupid about it, but like when it gets down to crunch time during the rut, deer are a little more stupid for the most part or whatever um like i you know you, you get a limited amount of time to hunt so i try to be aggressive um a buck that i was after a couple years ago had him patterned really well and i knew where he was going to be so i hunted that spot regardless of the wind um paid off in terms of the encounter didn't pay off in terms of the harvest so like that's just my thought process like for better or for worse, that's just where I'm at right now. Some people think, you know, probably think I'm stupid, but at the same time, you know, in that scenario, it worked because I like I knew where that buck was going to be. Um, so sometimes you just have to do what you can yeah, you to get. Play. I mean, like that's the nice part about scent control stuff. While it's not probably a hundred percent, it's I have definitely seen that it is effective. Um, I think since I started doing scent control stuff, which I mean, I, I don't always shower the day that I'm hunting. 
Um, but actually, what are we now? We're just over a week out. Mm -hmm. um, pretty much from here on out, it's going to be scent-free shower stuff. Um, nice, like, usually try and start, like, two weeks out from season at least. Because, I mean, you're just kind of cutting down your body odor a little bit right. each time. So, like, you're doing that. Um, the reason I don't shower before I go out is because usually I'm getting up at three o'clock in the morning to go out so i'm not yeah, gonna, nobody wants to i'm not get i'm not hour. i'm not sleep's more important to me than that shower so um don't mind our uh, our guard dog <laughs> yeah we are sitting out by the fire so any background noise i'm sure everybody has heard the crickets by now and the fire crackling but yeah the dog barking <laughs> also our annoying dog that has is faithfully protective against shadows and all of that stuff. But anyway, um, yeah. so yeah, like, I mean, scent control, I definitely believe is very effective. So, um, you know, do the shower when I can, definitely washing my clothes in it, got the ozone bag. Um, it's hard to say, you know, 100% about the science behind that. I think I've just seen enough videos and kind of, in a sense, right. documentary stuff that way. Like, because ozone has a scent. Like, that's where I get torn is, like, ozone has a smell. It's just it's more just, of a it's not, it's not a human odor, which I think is the big factor there. Um, and then definitely, just, I absolutely basically bathe in the fresh earth scent killer cover scent yeah. um, before I'm going in. And I think probably the biggest factor for me in scent-controlled hunting is access, um, you know, to and from the stand, obviously trying to encounter as little of their travel corridor as possible. Um, again, based on some of the properties that we hunt, like, it, it's not possible to avoid all of it. Um, so it's just kind of strategically thinking through access and exits. Um, that's probably been the biggest factor over the years um i've yeah. been winded by deer on my like back when i was a little more careless about it um you know got winded by deer on my entrance and exit routes um other than you know those few encounters or few um instances of getting busted that way <coughs> um you know, since I started doing scent control, I haven't I haven't been busted. So I think that's a testament to itself. Um, obviously, you know, guys like the you know the guys on the hunting public they don't they don't use scent control at all, which is pro probably a huge money saver. Um, but they are absolutely religious about hunting the win. So I mean, I think and they're they're, they're pretty successful at it. I mean, oh, they're very successful. Um, so there's a little bit of a give and take there. Um, and that's their downside is if they need to hunt a buck because some bucks will just like travel to an area and you don't you know you don't always have the wind at your advantage so if you're going right. to take that buck then um, you know you have to do what you got to do so all right take so something that I think I'm going to do this year is have a zero tolerance policy. Um, in other words, if I'm in a tree or on the ground and a doe walks by, stomps her little foot, and decides she's going to snort at me, 
if I have a tag for that WMU, I'm gonna drop that doe where she stands. Smoke her in her steps. Yeah. Um, not only because I don't want to be busted by a, a doe of all things, but at the same time, I don't want to educate any of that deer herd any more than they already are by people walking in and out of the woods. So if that doe walks 20 yards in front of me, stomps her foot, throws her snout up in the air, gives a sniff or two, and decides she's gonna she's gonna blow, I'm gonna drop her. And that's my zero tolerance policy I'm yeah. going in this year with. <laughs> the red arrow zero tolerance policy. Oh yeah, I mean, it, well, I, I don't remember his name, but. I mean, I definitely agree with that. I mean, if it snorts at me, and I have a shot at it, I'm taking it. Assuming I have uh, the appropriate tag for that WMU. I mean, I get it, there's a satisfaction there, but <laughs> just so we're clarifying, one, shooting shooting that doe is disturbing <laughs> the area just as much as her going around stomping them. I agree with you, but if it's... There's you know, definitely a satisfaction. I'll say there's this. There's also uh, a meal on the table. Right. So you, you can't go wrong, I, I if guess. It's, if it's 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon and I just got in there and she snorts, I'll let her go. If it's 5, 6, getting close to last light, I'm not going to wait for a buck to come through. I'm going to whack I'm gonna whack a doe. And I'm perfectly content doing that because they still taste delicious and I'll be grateful for every ounce of meat that that doe provides for myself, my family, and my friends. So. Well, I mean, in your experience, also, deer is all you've had, or does is all you've had, so. Yeah, they are delicious. <laughs> That's more than I've had, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And, I mean, for your, where you're hunting at this year, but I mean, there is a huge doe population, so, I mean, I wouldn't hesitate, personally, to opening day, you know, first weekend, second weekend, third weekend, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to hit a hit a doe two two weeks in a row if uh, they walk yeah, in definitely. front of you, um, just because they are overrun and trying to cut down on the population already. Um, and I don't know that it would hurt your chances at a buck anyway, especially if you play it correctly on the time of day that you're you're hitting it. I mean, obviously yeah. you don't want to ruin the rest of your night by shooting a doe at two o'clock in the afternoon. But you could always well, you could always sit and let it. Are you going to be selective? Let that it lay. Way? I mean, first year hunting, obviously archery hunting at this point is what you're more more interested in. So. Correct. Like I, said, I guess that's like our. Where are you at on that? Are you going to shoot like doe comes in? You're going to take it right away, or I, I think we'll play that one by ear. Um, we'll, we'll see how shaky I am. <laughs> you're a you're a trophy uh, hunter, huh? <laughs> um, huh. I would like to be a trophy hunter. I mean, Titan's pretty big, so. Uh, <laughs> oh, they're all trophies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely, as far as that goes. You're going to be shaky. Oh, I, I know that. I wouldn't take the deer. <laughs> so shaky so, is, that, that, so is that the criteria? Like, are you going to be too shaky? or? Yeah. That'll probably be a A little bit factor. shaky, but you can still take the shot. If I can still hold that pin where it needs to be, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to click it. Well, I mean, I would say if. You know, it walks in. I wouldn't shoot it the first two seconds it's standing in front of well, you. Well, no. If you get a couple minutes to let it come in, see if there's anything else coming with it or following it. See if there's it. a buck following it. Right. I would yeah. not. Yeah. September 29. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Doe hot on the trail. Or, I mean, a buck hot on the trail. Yeah, I mean, 
Not that we're going to be hunting on September 29th because our WMU. Yeah, it doesn't come open, in yet, but. But I know that like last year. Yeah. Last year you'd have been all right. I couldn't. I couldn't resist a little, little, little jab. Wouldn't that be something though? Hot dough, end, end of September, getting rutted down by a buck. My season would be complete. <laughs> Take them both. I'm sure stranger <laughs> things have happened. How fast can you reload? <laughs> Hopefully fast enough. <laughs> so, but anyway. Yeah, I mean. Roy, what uh, what broadhead are you carrying? Uh, last year <laughs> I was with the. I couldn't uh, resist. What were those? The Rage Extremes. Yeah, the um, four blades. Bought those. Never used them, obviously. <laughs> um, this year I went with the uh, the Grim Reaper, the uh, the white tail specialties or whatever they are for uh, three blade expandable or fixed you can change her out um that actually might that might sell me on that i know right that's what <laughs> sold me <laughs> so well why i'm curious why did you switch um i didn't like the the cheater blades on the extremes so the that hybrid like, concept yeah is that not... like arrowhead that was on the tip of them i really didn't care for um that and they're they're collared so I mean, every time you bump something, they pop off. And the nice thing with the Grim Reapers is there's no, there's no collar. So I was debating on going with a fixed blade, but decided I wanted the... Well, you got both. So. Yeah, I wanted yeah. the cutting diameter. Actually, so. Yeah, I never even... I've obviously heard of Grim Reaper, but I didn't know that they had a broadhead that was that way. Until you told me about yeah, it. You could lock so out. How, do, how does that work? Is it... It's like... Uh, because that's a rear deploying, or I mean a front, front deploying. Correct. So then what, those single blades just lock in? Yeah. Yeah, you can flip them out and lock them in. I'd be curious to see the the durability of the blades there. Yeah. I'm but curious to see how from, they fly at full Well, ex, from my past extended. experience, though, Grim Reaper has, their blades are really durable. Um, well, my first archery kill was, granted, it was a button buck. Um so, there's nothing wrong so with that, that you be proud well no dude i'm totally <laughs> i'm totally happy about it that's it, what mine was um but i'm just saying like kind of a testament to the durability of the grim reaper blades i mean that granted it was a young deer but it sliced right through two ribs like cut completely <laughs> through it um didn't break the blades or anything like one was bent um which is kind of to be expected on something like that but yeah that's the beauty of replacement blades so right so i'm just kind of curious from a fixed blade standpoint how they'll hold up i'd be curious Are as you, to how um, they fly it as a fixed blade as well yeah that's yeah i haven't shot them yet so we'll have to play around with that for have sure. you made up your mind if you're going to shoot like carry one of each like a expandable or a fixed blade because um, you have you have a couple dotex correct Correct. I have two uh, DMAP tags for the farm, so so that could be a good opportunity to yeah, potentially test, test out. out. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see uh, how the Hoyt Helix shoots them. Yep. He got know. serious and got Hoyt. Smart man. That's. <laughs> Was that the last podcast that I said that pretty much all Matthews bows were quieter than Hoyt's? I believe you did think, say that. I think so. I currently retract that statement. <laughs> um, 
That helix is, it's so quiet. That is, obviously at this point, I'm a Hoyt guy. Um, and I thought my bow was really good. But it's amazing what two years of technology does. Yeah. Yeah, I went in that day uh, into our local archery shop. I was looking at... Uh, Shout out Weaver's Archery. Yep, Weaver's Archery. Uh, I was looking <laughs> at... I think I had, what, five different bows I was looking at. Give or take, Four or yeah. five different bows I was looking at. Um, two Matthews, I was looking two at Boyds, the, and a Prime. Yep, I was looking at a Prime AT3, I think it was. Something like that. Um, the Matthews Vertex and the Matthews, what is it, TX5. Yeah. Um, and then I, the I, RX3 and the... Yep, the RX3 and the Helix. Helix. Um, shot the the um both matthews um super dead in the hand like no vibration at all uh and then i for just the heck of it i was like hey let let's uh pull out the helix and let me throw a couple downrange with that and as soon as i pulled it back i yep this is the one <laughs> that new that new cam system is so smooth i mean that was that was i was sold right away it's got pretty low vib, pretty low vibration in the hand as yeah, well. Yeah, it's not bad it? at all. It's got way low vibration. In the yeah, hand. Andrew shot it tonight, so they actually threw some string dampeners, like the vibration, take vibration out of string, which everything that they have done to that bow shows. Right. Um, definitely the absolute most quiet Hoyt bow that I've ever heard, or lack thereof. Because <laughs> um, up till shooting that one and hearing that one, flat out, every Matthews bow was quieter. Um, and I mean, this one's right there. Just like you said, the draw cycle is ridiculously smooth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> actually, so smooth that I drew back, was just dumbfounded at how smooth it was, had to let it down. Twice. Yeah, I just did I just wanted to times. keep drawing it. I didn't <laughs> even have to shoot the arrow. Um, I mean, it, it's. I mean, that's and that's not even their top of the line. It, what is it, the RX three? Yeah, the yeah the RX three is top. Helix is right below that. But I mean, there's a lot of the guys that went with that this year on their pro staffing. So, I mean, it speaks for an aluminum riser, I guess. And it's really like I mean, it's, it's light. really light compared to our hyper forces. Um, and that's the thing. I mean, there, as far as like the Hyperforce was not the top tier, but the second one down the right. year that we bought them. Yep. Yep. And just, yeah, two years of technology. It's crazy. Um, the difference. It. It's you don't see the change just looking at the bow, really. I mean. Yeah, they look very similar. Yeah, they almost look identical. But one. Yeah, I mean, you don't really notice the details that they put into it just by looking at them because they do look very similar but once you start pulling and shooting you notice how smooth and quiet and dead in the hand they've become over the last year or two and how big of a difference it makes just that those small differences in the cam and the silencers on the string it's it's insane i mean leaps and bounds over where they were and it just goes to show how minute details can really make a huge difference yeah i'm definitely glad that i waited a year i think it's worth it in the long run yeah <laughs> well and you you had a lower end bow yeah right? I, I had a 
a diamond that I had started with. Which which one was that? Because I had a diamond. As well. Uh, was it SB something or other? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, because that's something that I find kind of interesting. Like, if somebody is curious about getting into archery, what would your recommendation be? Because obviously, like, the Helix is a little bit higher price point. Yeah. Way higher price point compared to the Diamond. Yeah. Um, right. I didn't, uh, just, I like, I shot archery when I was a kid. Like, I had a bear compound bow that one of my cousins had given me. Um, I used to shoot it in the backyard and I loved it then and I wasn't sure if I was still gonna like it so went down with Andy he was had to get some arrows or something that day and uh, I I was looking and it's like you know what I'm gonna give it a shot um, talk to Keith uh, the guy that owns the shop down there um, see what his input was and ended up going with that um, I'm, I think the whole setup, it was, I had the site, a whisker biscuit and everything on it. I think I walked out for under $400 with every arrows and all. Um, and a case. Well, no, I had bought your case. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, bought, you bought my old case. So um, 450 Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it got me shooting. Um, I figured out that I still loved it. Um, I mean, if you're not sure, like you want to, you think you want to get into archery. I mean, I would totally start off with something like that um yeah i mean you could really hunt that for two or three years oh yeah i could have hunted well, with that it. one that that one if i remember correctly is set up i mean that's like the seven to 70 pounds and crazy adjustable I, yeah. Had, yeah. I had maxed it out and that's the reason okay i got rid of it um so but I mean, still but like draw some, length, somebody yeah. uh i mean because obviously there's a little bit of a um, a certain like a workout aspect, to yeah. It. Like like definitely. actually getting your bow muscles, yeah. Because um, it's know, not activated. A, and it's not a muscle. It. That like you it's a use. it's a different um, it's a different motion than what you use in everyday life. Exactly. Um, like we shoot seventy now, but I used to shoot sixty five, and even my bump from sixty to sixty five was pretty big so but like, I will like, like say, 60 i mean 60 is like still good pound like that's still oh it's heavy plenty poundage. to kill a deer i mean you only need what 35 to legally even hunt with yeah um which shemaine nugent she shoots 35 or 40 pounds she killed zebras and yeah all, all kinds, kinds of, of african like giant animals so. i mean like you were saying as far as it's not a muscle you use in everyday life it is for us now because we shoot daily or as close to it as we can so it's definitely getting easier to pull that heavier poundage as we progress and becoming more steady at it and yeah but any at any, any rate what we were getting yeah. at is just like somebody who's looking right. to try it out find out if they even like it like that's a good option Bo like you can obviously you're going to get the technique down with it you're going to be able to hunt with like I mean you can literally do anything you want with it like is it a helix no no but at the but same time, it gets your foot in the door. Nice part is, is like, I mean, you can always sell that bow. Um, so actually, I think kind of that line of bow, because Katie wants to get into hunting. Um, shout out my wife. Um, <laughs> so, so, but I think that's probably the route we're going to go is like one of those diamonds or something like that, which those are a little more newer models. Like the diamond I had was the Carbon Cure. 
which was great because it had the carbon riser, um, which I'm trying to remember. I think that was, I think just the bow started at like 400 bucks. So it wasn't quite that lower price point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't high end. It, it's and not high end. Great entry level. Um, like my only, like, yeah, it was a little bit cheaper bow. I knew I liked archery, like I was just trying to upgrade bows, but it really wasn't the upgrade I was looking for. Um, so it would have been a good bow for somebody getting into it, but since I had already had a bow before that, um, in terms of the comfortability of the grip, like it was a step backwards. Um, and so along those lines, if, if you're, a, you're already shooting archery, you started out at something like that, go to your local pro shop, go to your local archery shop. They'll have models there for you to shoot. I mean, you don't have to spend a thousand dollars on a bow don't to go, find out that you don't like it. Don't go to Walmart and buy a bow. Like go some ideally go to a local bow shop. You can you know, somebody you can pick their brain. Um, like literally that's what they do. You don't want just yep. like a sales rep. And most of those guys don't work off commission, so they're not going to sell you on the most expensive thing they have. Exactly. They're going to sell you what they feel you should have. And what will... Because, I mean, ultimately their goal is not only to get you comfortable shooting, but, you know, if they can set you up and set you up well, then their goal is to bring you back when you do want to upgrade and put you on that next bow and get that returning customer. And that's the nice thing about those entry bows. You can learn a lot about things you like about it what you don't like what you wish it had or didn't do and you can look at that and say hey this is something i like this i wish it did this a little differently and you can see you know the differences in i mean you can upgrade that bow with different rests and different sights sights and all that and you can take all that stuff and transfer it right to your new bow if you want um and that's something that's good as well you can kind of that's another good piece of advice is like you know if you want to go a little bit cheaper on the bow that's fine um in my mind it's definitely worth the money to invest in quality arrow rest quality sight since you can transfer that all over too right Um, you don't have to get a new one each time upgrade yeah so that wasn't really a rabbit trail we were we were kind of there, but, but it's not really. a, it's a good one. I mean, yeah. obviously we're right at archery season. I have seen people going into dicks and literally buying a bow the night before archery season started. So, who knows? Not necessarily a jab at you if you're one of those people and you're listening. But I'll say it: you should have had the bow a while ago, been shooting. But if you're going to take the time, make sure you're all sighted in. Well, a decent amount of practice before you're going out. If you're Kudos. going that route, I would recommend something along the Trophy Ridge React sites because you set a 20 and I believe 20 and 30 or 20 and 40 maybe, and it sets all the other ones for you. And obviously spot check those, but it takes a lot less time to dial in yeah. at those other distances. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess we are getting into – yeah, it's about time to wrap this up, wrap I guess. It I up mean, since our podcast has a limited amount of time that we can hit. But I do yeah. just want to throw a little plug out there again for United Blood Trackers Association. Oh, good call. Yeah. Since Pennsylvania now blood tracking dogs is legal, 
Um, buddy of mine from college got to take advantage of that last year. Um, I talked to him after the whole incident. Um, it's a buck that he hands down said absolutely would not have found if not for a blood tracking dog. Um, so, and actually... It was the same case I know, for our neighbor property last year as well. I mean, it yeah, wasn't a perfect yeah, shot. Well, and, and that that wasn't even a trained dog. They just took, yeah, took their dog And it out. rained hard the next day and they couldn't um, find blood anywhere. So yeah, when I mean, obviously last year there was a limited amount of people with tracking dogs, but I was on the website, shared it on a link on the Instagram page. If you go under, I mean, there's there's way more than I expected to see on there. So I mean, we're again we're right outside of season. You can't possibly be over prepared for any scenario. Um, so take the time, hop on there, locate somebody that's close to the area where you're going to be hunting. Obviously the ideal scenario is to not need that help. Um, but it's definitely better to have it and not need it than need it and need not. It and not have it. Um, so, um, yeah, just hop on the website, it takes five minutes. Just hop on the website, look at the area that you are hunting around, find who's close to you. Just jot their number down, keep it, um, like in your little hunting license pouch or whatever, um, you know, like I said, it's definitely better to have it and not need it. Um, and then that way, if you do have a misplaced shot, um, that you're a little concerned about, you can give them a call right away. Um, hopefully here in the near future, we can, you know, get somebody on that has a blood tracking dog and kind of do a little, um, podcast with them. I, from most podcasts that I've heard and people that I've actually talked to, you know, they definitely recommend if you think it's a misplaced shot. Um, just back out give it time obviously give it time give them a call the more tracking around and, and walking around you do on that in that area um, it's just gonna throw the dog off um, so I mean even if I would say if it's like if you think it's a gut shot and you have these like even if you think you can take it on your own um, you know just take that number jot it down that could just save you a lot of time I mean a guy like I got kiddos and you know family at home um, as much as I like the actually that's a lie I don't like the challenge of tracking blood um, <laughs> I like tracking blood I don't like yeah. the, the challenge if it's a right. well placed shot yeah I, I like I like to follow the red dotted trail the river yeah <laughs> so um, the red sea if you will yeah, just give them a call. I mean, it could it could end up saving you tons of hours. Um, it's definitely worth checking into. Um, but other than that, yeah, thanks for hopping on with us, Roy. Um, definitely glad to have you part of this and, and get involved in more hunting and fishing. and Loving every day. Loving every day action. Luke Bryan. <laughs> so. Yeah, thanks again, guys. that's uh, going to be it. We'll catch up with you again hopefully another week or so and do a hopefully a quick last minute going into season and then hopefully have some good footage to put out for you going through season as well as yeah we made some, some investments on yeah, some camera good. arms cameras i already have a camera i don't know how good it's going to be but we're going to give it a whirl so yeah, hopefully we get some good content for you and we'll have some more information and stuff for you guys to check out to everybody going out good luck for the 21st opener this weekend good luck shoot straight Knock them down. Yeah. See you later, guys. Later. Deuces.